I'm Carlos Vigen, Assistant Managing Editor for Audience at the Day in New London, Connecticut. This is In Short Supply, a podcast on how the housing crisis is deepening the economic divide. Connecticut evictions in 2022 surpassed pre-pandemic numbers. There were more than 22,000 evictions statewide last year, according to data collected by the Connecticut Fair Housing Center. That number exceeds evictions reported in at least the previous five years. The Day has published a series of stories on this growing issue. Day reporter Greg Smith, in partnership with University of Connecticut professor Mike Stanton and students in his advanced investigative reporting class, analyzed the eviction data and told the stories of desperate tenants and frustrated landlords. Hi, my name is Mike Stanton. I'm a journalism professor at UConn, and I have been since 2013. I was a journalist at the Providence Journal for many years. I was a sports writer, a political reporter, and then an investigative reporter. We wanted a project where we could get out into the field and, and, and marry data with real stories to illustrate it. So we got the uh, uh, database of evictions from the state of Connecticut court system. Uh, at the beginning of the semester, and we were able to break it down and carve out the cases in New London County and even break it down by zip code. And we were able to analyze trends, and one of the trends we found was that um, evictions had been climbing in the three years before the pandemic. The moratoriums on evictions during the pandemic kind of put things on hold, and since those were lifted in the last year or so, um, we've seen uh, the number of eviction cases climbing past pandemic levels as, you know, the, the shortage of affordable housing really uh, depresses the area. We wanted to, you know, not just tell a numbers story, but we wanted to show the people behind the numbers and how these are real lives that are affected. And, and I think by showing up, you know, repeatedly in housing court, we saw the daily dramas kind of unfold. You know, we saw people who were angry, upset, scared, um, not sure what the future held for them. You know, one of the mediators we interviewed said that nobody's happy to be here. Um, when they're here, it means the relationship is broken down like a marriage. My name is uh, Wyatt Cody. I'm a senior journalism student at the University of Connecticut. Um, I'm 22 and I'm from Burlington, Connecticut. Tenants do not have access to legal representation at the same rates that a lot of landlords do. Um, something that we've seen pretty much every time we've gone to see a hearing is that these landlords will come in with an attorney at their side. Oftentimes it is the same attorneys. But what we see too is that tenants just don't have that same representation. A lot of times they're there on their own. They're navigating the process alone. They don't really fully understand the process that they're going through. That puts them at a disadvantage. When you walk into that hearing room, it's pretty clear immediately that there's a power dynamic going on, that the tenants are not on the same footing, they're not on the same level as their landlords are. I'm Faith Greenberg. I'm a junior journalism student at the University of Connecticut. I'm from New Jersey through reading through these cases and you really can get a telling for how little people understand what they're going through. And I think that that combination is quite unfortunate. Reporting in this series shows that for some tenants, there is a clear misunderstanding of what actions or inactions might lead to an eviction. The concept of how lapse of time works and that you must consistently be paying your rent even if that number changes, even if the landlord is claiming to raise it, that whether it's spoken or written to just, you know, the consistency of how you must pay your rent so that you do not face lack of payment um, on top of lapse of time. And so 
I think that those kinds of components, like the actual things that they must do to avoid the eviction, I think that that contributes and that's important for them to gain that knowledge. And that's why programs have been so helpful. And we've seen that obviously with Right to Counsel. The Connecticut Right to Counsel program, which launched in 2022, provides legal assistance. Tenants who are income eligible may be able to have a free lawyer represent them if they are facing eviction or loss of their housing subsidy. Due to a difficulty in hiring lawyers, the Right to Counsel program has been limited to the 15 Connecticut zip codes with the highest eviction rates, including New London. Wyatt Cody describes the benefits and shortcomings of the program. We've talked to the Connecticut Bar Foundation, um, who is funding and kind of overseeing the new Connecticut Right to Counsel program that's bringing representation to these tenants They're at no cost, actually, in certain zip codes. What's sad is that they're saying that program, they don't, they have a hard time hiring attorneys. Um, and it, it's it's pretty clear why. I mean, you're working in a section, um, in, a, in an industry that doesn't get a lot of funding. You're getting funding straight from the, from the Connecticut government. So there's just not a lot of funding there. It's not as much money as an attorney would get going into a private practice. So I would say more programs like that operating in more zip codes is, is a great solution. But to do that, they need funding. They need to be able to hire more attorneys. They need to pay their attorneys. Um, and it comes down, to, comes down to funding. Studies and legal advocates say that tenants who obtain legal help stand a much better chance of remaining in their apartment. This includes being able to decipher, as student Meredith Veyu says, the legalese used in eviction paperwork though the lack of attorneys and zip codes that are served continues to be an issue. Hi, my name is Meredith Veyu. I'm from Southington, Connecticut, and I'm a junior journalism student at the University of Connecticut. It's a, it's a big block. Um, it could be just the jargon that's used in the paperwork. We've even seen from looking at the cases, they can be confusing to someone who's never looked at them before. So yeah, if there's no education with that, then it could really be a big issue. Um, and I think a good thing that's happened is the right to counsel program with facing this problem. However, it's it's definitely not enough. Um, we've talked to a lot of tenants in the New London Courthouse who were not in the zip code for the right to counsel program. One in particular um, that I talked to was a couple and they were not in the zip code. However, they were able to call and get some advice the morning of their mediation and they found it extremely helpful. Um, so I don't know if that's a permanent solution, but I think expanding the right to counsel program, if there's more funding available, getting more attorneys and more zip codes open to it would be a big step in the right direction. The underlying problem, lack of affordable housing. While there is a need to expand programs like right to counsel, these types of initiatives do not address the chronic shortage of affordable housing in Connecticut. Affordable housing is generally defined by housing that does not cost more than 30% of an individual or family's annual income to live there. By some estimates, Connecticut needs anywhere from 85,000 to 130,000 affordable housing units to meet the current need. Wyatt talked to Rosa Acevedo, who is in dire need of that affordable housing. The first woman that I interviewed outside of that was uh, Rosa Acevedo. She has custody of her two grandchildren. She lives in New London. And just recently, um, she was she and a judgment entered in favor of her plaintiff for her eviction. Um, she's a she's a woman, like I said, custody of her two grandchildren. She had a husband up until recently that was sick with um, ALS, 
he unfortunately passed away. Um, she has no income other than social security and was fighting an eviction against her landlord. Unfortunately, she lost. Um, it was a complicated case, one in which the judge showed some compassion and gave her a stay of execution, actually multiple stays of execution, allowed her more time to move. But I mean, unfortunately, she still has to move and she has no place to go. Um, and that that's kind of one of the more heartbreaking cases that we've seen. I'm Hudson Kamphausen. I'm a senior journalism major at the University of Connecticut. I'm from Ashford, uh, just about 15 minutes away. I think the number one issue that has become the most apparent to me, and it se may seem obvious, but there just isn't enough housing. There isn't enough adequate housing. There isn't enough affordable housing. And that presents an issue when maybe you don't feel the, the standard of living around you in your apartment or in your rented property is up to standard. It's not good enough, but you don't have anywhere else where you can go. And you might not want to stay there. You might have issues with the landlord. You might not want to pay, but there's really not many other options that those people have. And so then they end up maybe not wanting to pay rent. They end up maybe trying to get out of it in some other way. They, they don't know how to work the court system. They don't have representation because they can't afford representation. And then the whole thing just kind of crashes down around them. And that's indi it's indicated by a lot of cases we've seen and a lot of the situations we've seen. Connecticut is expensive. Connecticut routinely ranks as one of the states with the highest cost of living and the highest levels of income inequality. The pandemic and inflation have only made the situation worse for families on the lower end of that economic gap. Families dealing with evictions and an increase in the cost of utilities like electricity and groceries, individual landlords having to deal with tenants that aren't paying rent and also dealing with an increase in the cost of maintaining their properties. Students Jake Kelly and Meredith Bayou note how all of these issues are intertwined to make the levels of income inequality even greater in the coming years. Um, hi, I'm Jake Kelly. Um, I'm a senior journalism student at UConn and I'm from Aurora, Illinois. Um, I've been with the journalism program for three years now. So I think kind of a big issue I've noticed that ties into the kind of lack of affordable housing is just the um, high cost of living and how it's very hard to just live in this country um, and in Connecticut right now. So not only is there really not a lot of places for people to live, um, the job market, a lot of people have to work multiple jobs and they still can't make ends meet. But there is a lot of obstacles that people face when they're trying to fix you know, the problem that they're in and they're trying to get out of a hole and they're trying to make money. Um, we've seen, you know, people who they have children to raise, but it's hard for them to work if they're a single parent when um, there's not a lot of affordable childcare. Um, there's nowhere for them to go during the day. So the parent is sort of tied between, well, I have to work, but where are my kids going to go? Or people who are able to work, but, you know, let's say they don't have a car. So how are they going to get to work? There's not great public transportation for them to use. Um, and I, I'd say a lot as well as um, even just affording like groceries, there's, you know, it's either fast food, or there's not a lot of options. So I, f I feel like it's sort of an ecosystem that this is all kind of coming together and all these little pieces are making up a bigger problem. And it's like when you kind of pick one out, then you have to kind of then talk about all these other problems because um, people don't have a lot of places to live. But then even if they do find a place to live, there's still kind of all these things that are stacked against them. Yeah, and I think evictions themselves, landlords are happy to get to get them out if they haven't been paying, but what we don't think about is how those will affect the tenants in the future. It's not just them saying, oh, you have to find a new place. 
the fact that they'll have an eviction on their record will deter so many landlords from ever renting to them. And as Hudson stated, there's such a lack of affordable housing in general that you're going to get pushed to even farther back in the line. But one thing I did see was in one case they were able to do, I, I forget what it was called exactly, but it was an eviction that wasn't their fault necessarily. So it kind of put them to the forefront of being able to find housing and they were very happy with the outcome of their mediation. So if there's any way to solve more cases in mediation like this, I feel like that would be a big help, but a permanent solution, I'm not entirely sure of at the moment. Short-term solutions for a long-term problem. The, the right to counsel program that the students have focused on was really important in leveling the playing field by giving representation to tenants. Um, it's not a, I mean, the ultimate solution is affordable housing. And the time that that takes with all the bureaucratic impediments and the physical delays of construction are, are daunting. But it seems to me that this should be a fast-tracked issue by government to make it a crisis and a priority and even authorize um, like I know one town in Cranston has been talking about authorizing these mini houses on a, you know, some state land, and there's always opposition to that. In the case of the man in Lyme who was facing eviction, you know, he couldn't even park his trailer on some vacant land he owns because of the town zoning laws. Um, he couldn't build a little shack because you have to have a minimum square footage. So some of those things need to be looked at in the long term, but they need to come up with some shorter, shorter term solutions. Um, to address it in, in, in the near future. You can find the eviction stories and more housing crisis coverage at theday.com slash housing lab. The day's year-long investigation into the housing crisis is part of the Housing Solution Lab, which is a community and grant-funded reporting initiative. To make a tax-deductible donation to the housing initiative, please visit givebutter.com slash housing.